Another Ask Scanner School session. This is a podcast episode of Scanner School where I answer all of your scanner radio questions. These come in from our Ask page over at scannerschool.com slash ask. And we have four voicemails this month. So they either came in from our, our voicemail number at 516-308-2885 or by using the SpeakPipe link over on our Ask page. And all the session notes can be found online at our website at scannerschool.com slash session 233. So welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur call sign is W2LIE. And because a lot of us are on a GMRS kick, my license for GMRS is WQXJ920. Now, if you're listening to us on release date, that means that it's the first Tuesday of the month, which means we'll be live tonight on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even that TikTok app to answer your questions. So make sure you join us live over there tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. time, or catch a replay if you've missed it over on YouTube. Again, I love answering your questions, and that's why we do this twice a month. As a reminder, you can submit your questions to us over at 516-308-2885 or by using the links over at scannerschool.com ask. And if you use Either the voice methods of submitting a question, you will be in a running for a free tutoring session. And tutoring sessions are when I sit down with you over Zoom. We do it face-to-face, computer-to-computer. And I can see, you know, what is on your computer screen and vice versa. We can work through whatever it is that is bothering you and where you need help. And again, our tutoring sessions are booked for an hour. And it's a great way for me to be side-by-side with you and to give you a hand with your scanner radio. Now, before we get any further in this week's podcast, I want to take a few minutes to thank our Patreon supporters. Now, Patreon is an affordable way for you to support the podcast and our upcoming expansion into YouTube for 2022. So think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly donation, not only do you help support the podcast, but depending on your donation tier, you will receive certain benefits. The most popular benefit tier being our $5 a month or the $51 a year tier. It's the same tier. We just discount if you can pay us over a year. Now, this tier offers the podcast and YouTube videos early, and also you receive a free squelchy pack of stickers, several discounts, and access to our monthly live scanner radio roundtable discussion we hold monthly on Zoom. Oh, and by the way, most of the Patreon levels also get a special version of the podcast that does not include the middle advertising break in each episode. Now, find out more about Patreon and our supporting tiers by visiting scannerschool.com slash Patreon. I'd also like to take a moment here and thank all of our Patreon supporters. 
Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Bob Milton, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, Jacques Barry, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruda, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe Kordoff, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Kelly Wilkins, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Mike Lopez, Nicholas. Stenger, Paul Teal, Paul Seish, Randy Lee Wright, Raymond Hill, Roger Stenstrom, Ronnie Box, Al Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Terry Wright, Tim Mazza, Ted Glendie, and William Arcand. All right, our first question of the month comes in from Dan. Dan, go ahead and take it away. Hello, hello, Phil. This is Dan calling from the Pittsburgh area. And uh, I have a Bearcat BCD 536 HP and. Uh, I live right next to the river and a rail line here, and I've tried to put in all the local railroad frequencies and all the maritime frequencies into my scanner, but I still can't seem to pick up any action on the railroad and the the river traffic. And uh, was wondering if maybe there was something I'm not doing in order to get that action. Thanks a lot. All right. So Dan and I have been kind of going back and forth a little bit about this problem. This actually came in, uh, I guess, two nights ago as I'm recording this one. So this is, I don't know, the, the most recent question to come in, but it's the first one to kick off the session with. So I don't know how that happened, but hey, you know, uh, top of the list, here we go. So, Dan, we have a lot of different types of unknowns here, and let me just run through how I would troubleshoot this, and then we can start going through some of the loose ends that haven't yet been answered and followed up yet with via email back and forth. So, we're going to run through a typical checklist here, and that basically starts off with, are your frequencies programmed incorrectly, right? Now, again, I know based on our email conversations already that you have your stuff programmed incorrectly, but you know, this is a checklist for anybody else who might be having a problem picking up something on their scanner, right? The next we want to look at too is this is a BCD 536. So we have favorites lists in our scanners. You want to make sure that the favorites list is scanning, right? That it's not set to avoid, that the departments are not set to avoid, and that the frequencies are not set to avoid, right? We want to go in through and make sure, verify that every single favorites list, department, system, and site and frequency is set up to be monitored, right? These are these are critical things in a scanner. We can set this up and find out rather quickly just by hitting the channel button on the scanner. That should stop the scanner in its tracks of its scanning and just look and just see. Is there an avoid anywhere in the screen or turn the dial, right? Go up and go down a dial until you get to some of the railroad frequencies and verify that you have no avoids on the screen. And that will help you out right there. The next thing, which is usually hidden from view, and again, you and I have gone back and forth, and we've confirmed that you have things set up here correctly, is to go into your profile and make sure that you have the uh, service types enabled for both transportation and railroads. Because if you don't, then you may not hear anything on the rails or marine traffic at all. So you can do that by going into your scanner's settings and then cycling through. And you can only enable and disable anything that's in an active scan list on your scanner, which is why I prefer to do this in Sentinel. So go up there and click on your profile settings, 
Then go to the service types tab and then turn everything on that you want to turn on. Now, again, I'll tell you a little story I've told before in the past where I was setting up a new scanner. I don't remember if it was a 436 or the 536, but I was trying to set up my utilities. And every time I would unlock the utilities bank and add it to my scan list and then turn everything else off, my scanner would tell me there was nothing to scan. And I couldn't figure out why. And I went through the radio hundreds of times, sideways, upside down, diagonal, diagonally, and I couldn't figure out why every time I would isolate just my local utilities company that my scanner was telling me nothing to scan. I knew the stuff was in there. I knew it was unlocked. It turns out I didn't have utilities turned on in my service type in the scan list or in the profile. Once I did that, I was fine. But I lost hours on this. And it was definitely a lesson learned. And again, you and I went through this. You have yours enabled. We're good on that one. Checkbox, right? But again, for anybody else who's playing along at home that's having the same issue, again, these are the troubleshooting steps that I would go through. Now, what else do we want to look at here? Well, I know you're in Pennsylvania based off of the list that you gave me. So we want to go to Radio Reference and look under Railroads for the State and see what we have there. And again, looking through the Railroads for the State, we see we have mostly FM or FM narrow transmissions. Very, very few, probably single-digit numbers of NXDN. So I wouldn't even worry about that right now. But if you're still not hearing anything and the rail lines go right past you or pretty close to you, the question becomes... Well, what are you listening to? Are you listening to Simplex? Are these handheld radios? Are they mobile radios in, in the in the cab, right, of, of the locomotive? Are they running high power? Or are you listening to a repeater that is miles down the track? And maybe that's why you can't hear anything because the repeater might be 20 miles away. Are you sure that you're listening to a local repeater? That's a question that I have for you. Just because the lines run through half a mile, quarter mile, blocks away from you does not mean you'll be able to hear them if what you're trying to receive is 20 miles away. So that's something we need to get to the bottom of, okay? I know that we also asked about an external antenna, and you said you didn't have an antenna because you were in an apartment building. So again, that may be part of it as well. Maybe the antenna you're using is for 800 megahertz, and you're trying to monitor VHF with it, and that could be part of the problem. So I also follow up and asked, well, are you listening to this with any other radio? Do you have any other radio in in your arsenal, right, in your collection of radios that you have no problems hearing the railroads on? And you said occasionally you can hear rails on another radio. So the fact you said occasionally really struck a chord with me and and set up some red flags because occasionally means you're not hearing them all the time on that radio either. So that leads me to believe that it's not an isolated issue with the BCD-536. Now, again, I could be on the wrong path here, the wrong track, but these are my troubleshooting steps here. So I would say park your other radio that you occasionally hear rail transmissions on and then run your 536 and run them side by side and see, are you hearing the exact same things on both radios? And do you know you're missing transmissions? How do you know you're missing transmissions? Are you only hearing one side of the conversation? Are you just hearing it that's too quiet and you don't hear anything at all? And you're expecting to hear more, right? A lot of rails can be point to point, can be simplex. So you would have to be near the transmitters in order to hear it, or it could be through a repeater. 
Okay, it could be either way. It also could mean that they're using other frequencies that have yet to be identified in the radio reference database, which means you're going to want to put in the AAR plan, which is the, I think, American Railroad or American something or other railroad plan. It's a standardized plan of like 100 frequencies or 200 frequencies that are standardized. And a lot of times, these, the, the, you know, the lines, they pick frequencies out of this already designated railroad plan because these are designated blocks of frequencies from the FCC that rails can use. And they're just grabbing these channels and they're assigning them for use on their line or in their geographical area. So I would recommend putting those in as well. Again, we'll put a link to that in the session notes here so you can go right to that AAR page and that wiki over on Radio Reference and see if maybe you start loading those in, maybe you'll hear something as well. It could be, again, I don't know what it is you're trying to listen to. Is it yard? Is it the actual locomotives on the line? Is it the uh, the end of train detection system? Is it p- police or, or maintenance or something like that? Because, again, we have where I'm at, we only have a commuter line that runs through here. So if you want to listen to the local railroad, the Long Island Railroad, then you're listening, yeah, to their you know, 160, 161 megahertz frequencies. But the police – they're all on a trunk system. So you've got to listen to an 800 megahertz trunk system to hear all that stuff where I am here on Long Island. We only have one freight that runs through here. And it usually is on a Sunday night, really early or in the morning or late at night type of deal. And again, you've got to listen to a different set of frequencies for that and something you wouldn't really think of listening to, but it's for this system out in Brooklyn. So there's a lot of different things. Just because the lines run through your yard doesn't mean that you're going to hear something. Now, Marine, that's a whole other can of worms here. That is strictly going to be point to point. You're going to be, you're going to need to be near the boats or along the riverway, which you said you are. But I'm probably about five miles from the bay where I'm at, and I can barely hear boats because, again, line of sight, they're at zero feet above sea level, and my antenna is probably 20 feet up. I can hear the Coast Guard perfectly fine because they're on a 600-foot tower, 300-foot tower, whatever it is, right? They're up there a couple hundred feet, and they're pushing out power. The reason why they're up high and the reason why they're pushing out a lot of power is because they need to be able to reach out and communicate with vessels that are miles out in the water. Is a reason why they have their antennas up high so they can hear whoever's coming back to them. Sometimes... The Coast Guard needs a relay from another boat in order to relay information to a boater in distress because either the boater can't hear the Coast Guard or the Coast Guard can't hear the boater. Again, Marine is pretty much simplex, 99% simplex VHF point-to-point, which again drives us back to what antenna are you using on your BCD-536? Is it for 800 megahertz? Because if it is... Again, that's going to lead to a point of, I wouldn't say failure, but a point of compromise on how well your scanner is going to work. It'll work really great on 800, but it won't work really that well on VHF. Where is your scanner in your apartment? Is it near a window or not? You might be able to get an antenna or a disc cone and hide it in a closet or put an antenna near a window or even get a VHF Yagi and point it out towards the rail line or the river canal out your window and see if that helps you out as well. It could be that you've got lead line windows in your house and that's affecting or in your apartment and that's affecting your ability to receive as well. 
Apartments are crazy. You're in a basically in a box. If you've got buildings or, or rooms to the left, the right, the bottom, and the top, and all you've got your window to look at, that's the only place really you're going to get RF in and out, clearly. So it may or may not be radio programming. It may just be where you are. So my other question to you is, if you're out and about with your 536, how well do the rails work? Do they work better when you're on the mo- when you're mobile? Do they work better when you're out in the parking lot? Does it work better when you're near a train station? Or does it work the same no matter where you are? These are my troubleshooting steps when it comes to listening to something that you cannot hear and you expect to hear something. So I'm leaning towards the fact that we're going to run into an issue where we're dealing with a lot of simplex here. We're probably compromised because you're in an apartment. And maybe, maybe I'm speculating here, you might not have the best antenna for this setup here. But let's do some side-by-sides. Take both radios you've got. See if they both hear anything. Load in the AAR channel plan. Again, we'll put a link in the session notes here. See if you scan all those. See if you hear something on there and it's not listed in the radio reference database. And then maybe it's time to go out and do some field trips and just see if you can hear anything better when you're out and about around town. Dan, let's keep up back and forth on troubleshooting this. We'd love to hear that you've got a solution and we got something that finally works. But let's keep going with this one. Let's let's keep chipping away and seeing what we can find on what's not working for you when it comes to picking up your rails and marine traffic. Really great question. I know we spent a lot of time on this one, but uh, want to run through at least the troubleshooting steps and maybe this might help somebody else. And if somebody else has a tip or a hint for Dan, let's swing over to Discord. Scannerschool.com slash Discord. Let us know what you might think. Again, Dan's in Pennsylvania. Maybe you're in Pennsylvania too and you might know what might help to get some railroad reception in the PA area. Thanks again, Dan, for your question. And stand by because we'll see at the end who's winning our free tutoring session. All right. Let's move on to question number two. Joe, take it away. Hey, Phil. My name is Joe Gorman. Thanks for taking this question. It's kind of a general question. But I've had an SDS 100 since early December. I'm still learning a lot about the radio. And I was wondering if you could speak to or discuss the filters, your knowledge and understanding of the filters, and some maybe best practices scenarios with them. I know it varies to where you are and what your RF floor is like, if you will, based on your location, but any help would be appreciated and interesting. Thank you. All right, Joe, really great question. I know we get a lot of these questions here on filters. So, As a review, before I get into the best practices, which is what you asked for on filters, let's talk about the filters. Let's review the filters because we really didn't get a really detailed explanation from Upman before he passed away on what filters are. We really only got this. Normal is a high-pass filter. Invert is a low-pass filter. And wide is wider pass frequency. Now, again, these SDS radios, the SDS-100, the SDS-200, these are software-defined radios, right? They're software-defined scanners. So they don't work the same way as our conventional scanners when it comes to reception. There was somebody who was complaining very early on when the SDS-200 came out, and he says, I am sitting in the parking lot where the transmitter is. I can get out of my car, basically, and walk to the antenna or walk to the tower. 
I might be embellishing a little bit here, but the point is he was in the same parking lot as the tower. He couldn't hear anything. Could not hear anything from that tower coming over his scanner. Once the firmware update came in with the filters and this gentleman changed the filters to invert, whatever it was he set it to, all of a sudden clears a bell, boom, the system was coming in. So yes, Joe, you are correct. It has a lot to do with what you're receiving, has a lot to do of where you are, has a lot to do with what your noise floor is. Basically, the filters changed the way that the SDR in the scanner filters through the audio coming through or filters through the IQ coming through rather and will help with either overloading or with inversion or whatever, you know, might the magic might be there. I probably used two wrong words there, probably not inversion, but you know what I'm saying, right? Just, just the signal coming in cannot be put back together because IQ is different than what we get over standard hardware reception. So we have several different ways and places that we can change our filters, right? We've got it automatic. We've got global. We've got sites. We've got department. We've got close call. My first thing for a best practice is do not enable automatic on your filter settings. Why? We don't want to enable automatic on our filter settings because it will completely screw up our scan times. Because what ends up happening is the scanner will go through every single frequency or system department and will try every single combination of filtering for each frequency. Normal, narrow, or inverted, and, and, and wide, right? It will go through each one of those. So the best practice here is to set it to normal, set it to global, set everything to global. And let the scanner do its thing. If you start noticing you're having a problem with a particular site or a particular frequency, that's when we start going in there and we start making changes. Is it a site system? Is it everything on a site? Is it everything in a department? Which, again, is a group, right? Or is it just a particular frequency? Based on that answer, based on what the problem is, that's the filter we're going to adjust. That's the one we're going to change. And we're going to step through. If normal doesn't work, or if global's not going to work, find out what the global is. Because if the global's normal, then we know right away we're not going to use normal. We're going to go with inverted. And we're going to try wide. And then we're going to see what happens. Here's the deal. This is a hobby, right? This is not commercial equipment. Commercial equipment will work because you're paying for $8,000 for a radio, right? This is quite a bit of money, right? but it's still consumer-grade equipment. So we do not have the professional quality that there is. And it's no fault to Unidin, right? This is not made for that specification. But that said is this, again, it's a hobby. It's a hobby, which means that there is some sort of tweaking that's going to be needed on our end, some playtime, some hands-on that's going to be required to make things work right. Think about it. Playing around with the radio, setting your squelch is a setting we have to get right. Optimizing our scan list, setting up an antenna, knowing where to put the radio. If we're going to put an external antenna, the coax, the type of antenna, the mass, the installation, the whole deal, soup to nuts, right? This is all part of making it fun. And I get it. 
I've said it before. Some people just want to have it turn, plug and play, turn it on, have it work. End of story thing. They just want to listen to the police. They want a device. They want a box. It sits on the in the on the corner and works. Yes, I firmly believe that the SDS 100 or 200 will just finally work, but it may take a little bit of tweaking to get it exactly right. Hopefully, nine times out of ten, out of the box, the filtering will work just fine for you. But in a case where it doesn't, you may need to just tweak it. And again, my best practice is, again, do not use auto unless you have to. I mean, auto is going to cycle through everything. So if you have one frequency that just isn't working, yeah, set it to auto if you don't want to sit down and, 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 and step through each thing to see if it works. Because at least if you set it to auto, you know you're either going to work or you're not going to work. But I'm a kind of guy that likes to just set things up manually and see what's going to happen too. Once you have a filter setting that works, lock it in though. Because there's no sense to have it in auto. So as we said before, global is going to be everything in the radio. And you're going to want to set everything basically to global. right? Your global setting is how the radio is going to be defaulted. But when you have an occasional issue... Maybe every radio, maybe every frequency and system in your radio doesn't work and you've got to tweak the settings and you're going to find out one works better than the other. Yeah, great. Then change the global. But if everything's working and it's just one frequency or a group of or just a, a tower site on a system, then yes, yeah, set the, atten- uh, the filter properly for that site. So that's, that's the best practice. That's a really good question because, again, filters are a complicated thing when it comes to these radios, and I'm sure I'll get a lot more questions about them. So thank you very much because the more we dive into these, these filters, the more we're pulling things back like an onion. All right, we're going to pause here for a break. And as a reminder, anybody who's a Patreon supporter at the $3 or more tier is going to skip this break. For everybody else, we'll catch you in just a couple seconds. Hey, did you realize it takes us almost $100 a week just to have this podcast episode professionally edited and sent over to you? This doesn't even include website and podcast hosting, administrative help, and other monthly subscriptions that are required to put the podcast out there. Now, you can help us offset these costs when you shop online. So if you're looking for a scanner radio or some software looking to bid on items over on eBay, or if you're looking to purchase anything, and I mean anything, on Amazon, you can help support Scanner School in the process. And this doesn't come at any extra cost to you. So please check out scannerschool.com support for the multiple different ways that we have out there that you can help support us when you shop online. Again, scannerschool.com support. Are you looking to learn more about the scanner radio hobby? We currently have courses on how to get started and up and running with software-defined radios and how to turn your SDR into a fully functioning scanner radio. With free software, you can see more and do more with trunking than ever before. And with new courses scheduled for the upcoming months, our offerings will be expanding into both Uniden and Whistler hardware and software. Check out our courses at courses.scannerschool.com or by looking for the link in this podcast description. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, 
MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. Visit NatComMag.com to download your free sample issue and sign up today. Did you know that a pager can make a great addition to your scanner radio collection? And even if I didn't own East Coast pagers... I still have one or maybe a couple of pagers as a part of my scanner radio setup. This is because a pager can be used to just monitor your local fire department or your regional departments. And if you set it up correctly to alert you when the tones are sent over the air, then the pager will remain silent until you need to know what is going on. This frees up your scanner to monitor everything else that's going on beside your local stuff or can prevent you from missing the local stuff because your scanner is busy doing other things. Now, pagers aren't just limited to fire dispatches anymore. Unication has great solutions to monitor both analog and P25 paging systems where many public safety and police departments are switching over to. Swiss Home and Apollo make great analog solutions as well, and all three still sell Pogsack and Flex pagers, still in use by many departments for text alerting. East Coast Pagers is an Apollo, Swiss phone, and Unication dealer serving the North American market and, of course, is one of my online companies. So if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, contact us for a free quote and let us know you're a Scanner School listener for something a little extra with your order. For all full inventory or request a quote or just to contact us, please visit eastcoastpagers.com. All right, our third question of the month comes in from Michael. Michael, go ahead and take it away. Hi, this is Michael Conley. I have a quick question. I wanted to know, is there a way to put NASCAR frequencies into a file? Because I cannot get my scanner to have NASCAR frequencies. Thank you. All right, Michael, really good question. And we haven't really... had any nascar questions come in yet in fact if anybody's a diehard nascar fan that goes to a nascar event that brings a scanner i would love to have a conversation with you being that's the middle of nascar season right now it'd be great to get you on the podcast so please go to scannerschool.com slash guests if you scan nascar frequencies and let us know what you've heard or how you set up your radio or anything else but going back michael to your question the answer is yes Pretty much any radio out there, you could put NASCAR frequencies in. They're UHF, ranging from the 450, 460 megahertz range, or a little bit beyond, right? Those blocks, basically. And from what I understand, for the most part, they're completely unencrypted, which allows you to listen to them. You can find frequency sheets online. In fact, if you go to Google and type in radioreference.com space NASCAR Space Frequency, Space 2022, it comes right up with a thread of the frequencies that you can put into your scanner. Now, there is a, and again, we'll, we'll put a link to this in the session notes to help you out with this one. But there is, uh, somebody posted an Excel spreadsheet there, which is great because you could take that data and you can dump it into programming software. Now, you didn't say what scanner radio you were using, but any scanner that's analog, conventional only, will work for you, basically. So if you've got a 75XLT, 
if you've got an SR30C, a BC125AT, anything basically out there. It doesn't need to say NASCAR, by the way, on a scanner radio. In fact, I am a firm believer that that decal alone was the kiss of death to many scanner uh, models out there, primarily the BR330T. Even though that uh, that radio said NASCAR on it, and I think Uniden must have had an agreement with NASCAR at the time, it was definitely not a NASCAR scanner. There was so much that that radio did that I think, I mean, I for a while was like, I don't want a NASCAR scanner. You know, it's what do I need that for? And then I realized what that radio did. Whew. But anyway, going back, any radio that's analog can work here. Now, this is, this is my, my advice, right? You're probably going to want something that is going to be programmable via the computer. So, Something that either plugs into Butel, something that plugs into ProScan, or even if you've got a RadioShack scanner, something that will work for, again, Butel sells a lot of software for RadioShack scanners. Includes GRE and Whistler, by the way. And set them up, put them in, load them up. I wouldn't recommend using something like a Baofeng radio. Now, before the Baofeng haters jump on me, here's the reason why. The Baofeng we know only holds 128 channels, which I don't think is going to be enough. Two, the Baofeng has a very slow scan rate, which means you're going to miss a lot of transmissions. Three, the Baofeng does not allow you to lock things out on the fly. And four, there's no banks in the Baofeng. It's just straight scanning channels 1 to 128 or 0 to 127, right? If you have a scanner... What I would do is I would set up my first bank to maybe just being the drivers or the teams that you want to listen to. Make this your hot list. If you could only listen to a couple of drivers, who would they be? And put them in that list. When you do that and isolate just to those drivers or those teams, that means that you are going to have a better success rate of catching those transmissions. Again, they're going to be quick, quick transmissions, right? If you put the whole field in there, you put every single driver in, you may miss what you want to hear. But in your second scan list, put the rest of the drivers in there. This way you can scan banks one and two, and you can hear all the cars in the fleet on the field. And then when it comes time to just listen to your hot list, you just knock out the second bank and just listen to what it is you want to listen to. What I would also do is create a third list and make that the facility or the rest of NASCAR. This way, you can still keep tabs on all that stuff. Maybe you want to knock out the second list and just listen to what's going on at the event from NASCAR and your favorite drivers. And I'm sure you'll put in another list that basically has security or the local PD or anything else that might be happening at the venue that you're going to. Because again, I think the NASCAR lists are basically just for the drivers. You might find other lists online for the cert, for the facilities, for the racetracks you might be going to. I didn't dig deep enough into this rabbit hole or wormhole or whatever to 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 start you know going through and seeing maybe what's is, is there anything for Watkins Glen or Poconos right because those are the two tracks that are closest to me but it would be interesting I've only gone to one NASCAR race in my entire life it was down in Poconos and it was I, I wasn't smart enough because I was half my age I am now probably actually I was more than half my age I am now wow <laughs> and, and um, yeah, I wasn't 
into scanning. You know, it was kind of at that window when I wasn't into scanning, and uh, I wish I had known to bring my radio at that time and, and set it up. But hey, hindsight's twenty twenty, and uh, I don't think I'm ever going back to another NASCAR race again. I'd rather watch on TV, to be honest with you. But to each their own. Go to a race, enjoy the race, bring your scanner. Put it in close call mode. See what else you can see. Put it into a search range between 450 and 466, 467 maybe. Hear what you hear. Don't forget to scan FRS. Don't forget to scan the business band stuff. We talked about business band stuff a couple of podcast episodes ago. You'll probably hear some radio chatter on those frequencies as well. But again, enjoy the race. Bring your radio. The link will be in the session notes for the Lincoln Radio Reference. Let us know how you make out. And again, if anybody's a diehard NASCAR fan has gone to a race that's brought their radios, come on the podcast. Let's talk about how you program them up and what you've been listening to. I would love to speak with you. Scannerschool.com slash guest. Michael, great question. Again, stand by because at the end of this podcast episode, we'll have the uh, uh, our tutoring drawing. All right. One more question to go. Let's get to the last one here. Unfortunately, I don't know who you are. You didn't leave a name. So let's play that audio right now. Yes, I have an FDS 100, and I'm wondering how I can make a duplicate uh, backup of my SD card. If you could uh, leave that information for me. Thank you. All right, so cloning the SD card is rather simple to do. In fact, it's a straightforward way to do it. We're going to tell you the easiest way to do it. There's a couple different ways here you can skin a cat, but this is my preferred way of doing it because it gives you the least chance of botching the process, so to speak. So what you're going to do is you've got two options here. You can either put the new SD card in your radio, which I don't recommend doing because the micro SD card, if it's if it's like the 436 or you know if, it, if it's you know, behind one of those trap door type of deals, they're a real pain in the neck to get into, right? So if if you have micro SD cards laying around, you want to do a couple of them, invest in one of those little USB micro SD card reader writer thumb drive things, right? That you just slide the card into and it, and it allows you to read that card over USB. Use one of those. Now, plug it into the computer. And again, if you're using the scanner for this, put the scanner into mass storage device. Launch Sentinel. There's a button in there that's going to be to clear user data. Go ahead and press that button. What that does is it formats or it sends the Udidin, it's not really an image, file structure. Let's put it that way. It sends Udidin file structure to the SD card. Once that file structure is there, then you can then select that card and then write to scanner. Even though you're not writing the scanner, you can write to scanner and dump your profile onto that micro SD card. You can then, once it's done, you could take that SD card out, unmount it, eject it, whatever it is, put another one in. Rinse, wash, repeat. Create profile or, or create user data or upload user data, whatever it's called, and then write the profile to the SD card. As long as you have that done, you can drag data off of an SD card and drop it onto a new one. So what I normally do on my computer here is I can I can create basically an SD card backup folder and drag everything over and then drag everything back if I wanted to. It's not really the method I prefer to do. I prefer strictly just to do a read and write out of Sentinel. It, it leaves the least margin for error. But if you have stuff on your micro SD cards you want to keep, like maybe you've got audio files and stuff like that, 
then yeah, you're going to want to, and you can, you can drag all that stuff off the original SD card, save it to your computer's hard drive, and then drop it back into the same folder on your new SD card, if, if that's what you want to do. But yeah, you don't really need to have the scanner hooked up to your computer. So say, for example, you've got a 536 or you've got a an SDS 200 that's mounted in the vehicle and you don't want to bring it in and out of the house, keep riding into it, right? You could eject out that micro SD card, put it into a USB card reader, put that into the computer, write to scanner as if the scanner was connected to the computer, because again, it's going to see that micro SD card is mounted like a drive. And then you could write to it again. You could take the second card and the third card, a fourth card, and a fifth card and do the exact same thing. And, and that effectively that would be cloning the drive. So, We've done this before with some customers of mine because I had somebody that had a, I think it was a 536 and, you know, he turned the car off and he would turn it back on again and because it didn't write to the card, it would, it would corrupt the card and we would just eject the card out of the, from the radio. He'd drop his new card in there, turn the radio back on, he'd be off to the races again. He would take that card back into his house, plug it in the computer, rewrite the card with his profile and then put it right back into the folder he has in his vehicle's glove box so that he can have a backup copy or a couple backup copies of his micro SD cards and it worked really well for him. So that's the long, short, the quick and the dirty on how to clone. I'm going to air quote here clone because we're just not, we're not really cloning them. We're just making duplicate copies of the same card by using Sentinel. Great question. Very simple process to do and let me know if you have any other questions. All right. So before we get into this month's tutoring winner. I want to remind you guys, if you do want tutoring, please go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. You can book me for an hour. And again, we go over Zoom on anything that you need help with with a scanner radio and allows me to do some screen sharing and to guide you through whatever it is that you need some help with. We can do scanners, software-defined radios. You can just bounce ideas off of me. Whatever it is radio-related that you really need help with more or less with the scanning and SDR side of the house is, is where I would say is, is where I can help you the most with. Now, again, if it's Tuesday, you're listening to this live on the first Tuesday of the month, check us out over on YouTube tonight, Facebook Live, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'll be live on those channels to do our live Q&A session at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern U.S. time. You can catch a replay over on YouTube if you've missed it, or again, if it's any of the time, Set a reminder, because we're going to do this every single Tuesday. We've been doing it for a long time. And if you're a Patreon supporter at the $5 level or higher, you can join us for our extra credit roundtable discussion, which happens right after our live Q&A session, which is a great time that we talk radios. We talk a whole bunch of stuff, not just radios, but it's a good time. It's, it's It does last about an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours. On some odd occasions, it will go that long. But we do have a good time with our roundtable discussion. And again, that's held immediately after our live Q&A sessions. And that is just for our $5 or higher Patreon supporters. Okay, so let's get into this month's winner. So in my browser right now, I've got a Google page open right now for their Google random number generator. And we've got four contestants this month, four questions that came in. Again, if you want to be part of this little... Uh, I don't want to say, let's call it a giveaway, right? Remember, 516-308-2885 or go to scannerschool.com slash ask and click on the SpeakPipe links. That's your two ways to enter for this free tutoring session. So I've got my random number generator up. One, 
two, three, four will be in the order of the questions that came in. And let's go. I'm going to hit the mouse five times to refresh the random number generator. So here we go. One, two, three, four, and five. It lands on one, which means the winner is our first question of the month, which goes to Dan. Wow, this is great. Dan, he wouldn't have been going back and forth anyway with some questions. So let's talk about what's going on with your scanner radio in some more detail. Reach out to me after this podcast episode airs, and I will give you a code that you can use to book the touring session so that we can sit down and talk more about this over Zoom. For everybody else, remember, we'll be live tonight over on social media platforms. And don't forget to share this podcast episode with somebody that you think would learn from this type of Q&A session. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on next week's episode. And also sign up for our email newsletter so that you get every single notification of new podcast episodes and can keep up with what is going on here at Scanner School. With that, we'll catch everybody live tonight. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School, where we teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73.